2: Hey, Tommy, I love the topic of this podcast. What are we talking about today? Yeah,
3: that's right. So this is the top 10 least satisfying cars. And did
2: me and you pick that? Did Nathan <laughs> scroll down the list of cars he hates and uh, pen a list? Where did this come from?
3: No, so Consumer Reports is all this data from their Consumer Reports member survey. And uh, basically, they asked their members, would you buy this car again if given the choice? and it's essentially a list that sees if the vehicle lived up to their expectations and then that you know translates into satisfaction so these are the top 10 least satisfying cars
2: yeah they've got the dubious distinction of half at least half the owners who bought this car would not buy it again that's saying a lot actually when you think about it
3: Yeah, it's uh, pretty interesting, and number one on this list was super surprising from a brand that you don't typically think of uh, dissatisfying, but
2: we'll get to that here in a second. Yeah, let me give you guys a hint, though. I'll give you a hint before we get to that list. They're all crossovers, aren't they? There are a couple sedans in there. All right, right, never mind. Most of them are crossovers. Yep. Uh, So before we get to that, we're going to have a Roman's rant that we're going to talk about. Maybe we'll do that after we talk about the vehicle that I just test drove, which is the new Lexus LX600, Tommy. I just got back from uh, a wonderful trip to Santa Fe, New Mexico, where I got to take it on and off road. Uh, And if you're curious about, well, that vehicle, I've already put a first walk around and, you know, I I took a lot of um, gump, took a lot of gump, Tommy, from uh, the viewers when I put that video up. And by the way, if you want to Keep up on all of our videos. Just uh, get the little web app, tfl-studios.com. It goes, look, there's Blasey. It goes as a web app to your phone, and it basically consolidates all of our seven YouTube channels, our podcasts, our TikToks, our news, and that way you can, you know, pick and choose whatever stuff you want to watch or listen to. Uh, But, yeah, I took a lot of uh, grief, and undeservedly so. Can I tell you a story? Sure. So um, there are now... uh, Three versions of the LX. Let, actually, let me take a step back. So once upon a time, Toyota used to import the Land Cruiser. Do you love? You both love that, right? No? Don't love the Land Cruiser?
3: I'm not sure I love it. I, I, I think it's an important piece of off-road history, and I'm going to get probably flamed in the comments, but I'm, I'm not sure I, I love it. How
2: could you not love it? We it was, had one. We had the 200 little, series. It was
3: a little soulless. I like the old ones. The old ones, like the 60 and the 80 series, love them. The newer ones have just been like two they're, they're too perfect there's so much mechanical perfection in there that some of the excitement is lost but anyways people love them this is coming from a guy who got to drive all of them including the iron pig is that the right which is why I determined I love the old ones but anything post 100 series even the 100 series I'm a little bit like for 35 40 50 60 seventy thousand dollars you can have more fun
2: and still have some reliability anyways I kind of car and for whatever reason to built a new 300 series and decided not to bring it uh, to america so uh, it's built on the same assembly line and the same plant as the lx 600 so our version of the land cruiser unfortunately or fortunately if you're a lexus fan is now the lx 600 and they've done some crazy things first of all it's expensive tommy so it starts at eighty six thousand dollars and that's for the two row or five passenger get this there's also a three row seven passenger or and i'm not making this up there is the ultra luxury that's what they're calling it for a hundred and twenty six thousand and you know Tommy, like these big three-row um suvs are having their moment in the light right now people are really loving them so it competes with you know like the grand wagoneer uh the navigator the yukon the tahoe the escalade uh the armada even maybe like the uh range rover autobiography anyway the ultra luxury is a four-seater right sure Uh, And so I I did this video doing a walk around of it because I thought it was the most interesting. And basically the back seat like reclines like a first class airplane seat. Uh, And then this little thing comes down for your feet. The the seat kind of goes forward uh, and then you can massage that seat. And I was doing this in the video by myself. Didn't have a videographer. So I was kind of doing it all one one take style. uh, And then I couldn't get the front seat to come back. Okay, And all the comments were like, hey, Roman, you should really get to know the car before you do the video. So people felt like I was fumbling around. I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, and I accept that. But come to find out, it was a pre-production model. Oh. And, and because I read those comments, I went to Toyota. I'm like, hey, how do you push this front seat back? And they're like, oh, sorry, you can't. Oh, it didn't work. huh? So you got to go and mm-hmm. actually physically use the little controls on this pre-production model on the front seat. There you so, have it. So, so I'm just doing a little, like, you know, explanation. I wasn't that uh, stumbly through it. I feel like that was a pretty dull story, Dan. (laughs) There was all this buildup,
3: and then the the story
2: was the seat wouldn't move. All right, all right. Well, let me me, me spice it up a little bit. So we went off road with it, and a tiger had gotten loose from the zoo. There you go. That's a little better. (laughs) Is that better? Yeah. And I got in the car, and guess what was sitting in the passenger seat next to me? (laughs) What? Nick Miles. There you go. <laughs> no, not, not the tiger. Was that a spicier
3: story? That was a spicier story. Yeah, let's uh, and, lead on with that one. Anyway,
2: this vehicle is interesting. I think they're going to sell well. It's expensive. It's eighty-six thousand all the way up to one hundred twenty-six thousand. Uh, uh, driving Im- impressions are embargoed, so I can't really talk about how it drives. But the cool thing about it is, it does have all the off-road tech that you'd expect. So it has—I um, don't think it's hydraulic suspension. Right? Land Cruisers don't have air suspension.
3: Well, I don't know what they did so the on the old one. Yeah. Um if you got the Land Cruiser you had steel springs. Yeah. And then if you had the Lexus version you had the height adjustable. That's what they said. With, with the height control. Mhm.
2: Yeah, I think eight points, eight point nine inches of ground clearance, four inches of suspension travel, uh, four multi- inches, four inches of yeah, uh, four, oh, I, up and down, up and down, oh, not suspension travel, uh, of, of hydraulic height adjustability. Uh, yeah, four inches. So I don't think it goes from eight point nine four inches up from there. But in general, the the, the, the range is four inches. Uh, Toes uh, up to ninth, eight to nine thousand gets nineteen mpg combined because they swapped out the engine. Right, it used to be the old. liter v8 now. It's a 3.5 liter twin turbo the same one that is in the tundra Yeah you don't seem excited.
3: Well, I just like the... the uh, not really? really excited,
2: actually. Really? Well,
3: what's the point of having all this off-road gear if you're going to have 22s on a Lexus with the front spoiler that's three inches off the ground? It,
2: it does come standard with 20s, but the ones I was driving all had 22s. Mm. Uh, and they did have, like I say, multi-terrain. It has a low range, it, of course. That's great. That's it great. does the thing where it drags a rear wheel. if it's you It's fantastic,
3: it. but you can't dig it off-road because the running boards oh, are I did, I did. giant plastic things. Here they are? And the front end is super low and aggressive, and it's got these big shiny exhaust tips, and it's it, $90,000. I mean, it's like, why even put the off-road stuff in it?
2: It has the biggest spindle grille I've ever seen. It's
3: ridiculous. On,
2: I, it's huge. It's like, I, I, you know, I'm doing my arm thing right now. You know how when you go fishing and you kind of exaggerate how big the fish is that, that got away? Well, this is that exaggeration, but even bigger. It's, it's, it's just humongous. So if you love that new kind of BMW huge nose fascia thing, the Lexus has it in spades.
3: If you're going to do an off-roader, then then do an off-roader. But don't add, don't pretend it's an off-roader and then put 22s on it. I have a big problem with that. Just like if you're going to do an off-roader, bring the, the Land Cruiser in. This is not an acceptable
2: substitute. So, let me ask you this. Do you think people will buy a four-seater LX600? Do you think this is actually something that people are going to go at? Or is this just something they built for, like, like Saudi Arabia or wherever, you know, that is... In, I mean, for me... Having airplane-style first-class seating where it completely reclines, right, and where you can put your feet up on it has massaging. That, that, to me, belongs like in an S-class uh, sedan, and not necessarily, or maybe even like uh, I don't know, like like the Maybach, right? But this is this is what they're going after now.
3: What a 1970s viewpoint there. Really? Well, because uh, everyone's buying SUVs. Like, yeah. autobiography Range Rovers are, are, like, the go-to Beverly Hill vehicle. Okay. I, I, I think at one point, yeah, if you go back 10, 15 years, it used to be all sedans, right? Right. But now everybody wants SUVs. So why can't SUVs have a four-seater so, ultra-luxury? So you Even thi- mybach, the new Maybach that they've been pushing is a GLS 600, which is a uh, a four-seater SUV. So you think that they're going to sell, like, hotcakes,
2: $126,000 four-seater No, they're not going to sell, truck. like, hotcakes,
3: but they're going to sell a few of them. Yeah. I just like I'm so bummed out by the LX, right? The the Land Cruiser abroad, you can get it with locking diffs and small wheels and a basic stripped down version, and of course in the U S. we got this big gussied up fancy thing, which is fine. It's a good vehicle. It's going to last a super long time, and it's going to be very
2: comfy. Well, but I'm I'm just bummed that it's not a Land Cruiser because I love the Land Cruiser. I exactly. Think, I think you know, oh God, sorry Lexus, but you know if 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 it were me. I'd go get the Heritage Edition Land Cruiser, if you can still find one, for sale somewhere. Oh, I think they're all sold out, though. I, I heard there were still some because dealers were asking over stickers. So you could spend easily 100000 on that. But that would be the one I'd get with that cool, like, old-school st- script that says Land Cruiser on it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so, yeah, that, that would be my suggestion. So shall we get to our uh, topic de jour?
3: Yeah, the issue with the least satisfying cars, I, I have... Come to figure out is that it's unfortunately a, a pretty unsatisfying list. Why is that? Because I, don't, I just I don't because think the we, cars have, are we don't have a lot to say about a lot of these cars. Well, sure. I mean, have you driven all of them? At one point. Yeah. But um, when is the last time you drove our number ten car? What is our number? Right, what all right. number ten? Yeah, it Kia Forte.
2: Uh, not that long ago. So uh, what was the percentage of people who said they wouldn't buy a Kia Forte?
3: So Consumer Reports actually has it listed differently. Okay. It's the percentage of people that would buy it again. Okay. So 47% of people said they would buy a Kia Forte so again. So less than
2: half. Less than half, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, look, the Kia Forte, there's nothing wrong with the Kia Forte, right? It's basic, uh, used to be affordable transportation, uh, but there was certainly nothing that, that, that would like make me want to like, run out of my house and go buy one immediately. You know what I'm saying? There's nothing compelling about it. It's it's a fine car. It'll last a long time. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of right down the middle. So if you want something that's going to get you to work and back, uh, but necessarily won't necessarily impress your friend friends, I mean, that's a fine car. But you're right. It's not like, I don't know what else to say about it. It's, it there's nothing, like, terrible about it. And there's nothing terribly great about it. I'm embarrassed to say I know almost nothing about the Kia Forte. Really?
3: Well, we've never, had it. we've never had the new one as a loner. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I just like, I, I feel like they put a lot of effort into marketing the Elantra. I've yep. driven the Elantra. It's fantastic. The Forte is the one
2: below it. No, it isn't. I thought the Forte is, is a la- the- different the- brand. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I <I'm> meant <in> Hyundai. <laughs> it competes with the Elantra. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, See, it, you don't know much about the Forte either it's here. It's
2: confusing because, let's face it, Hyundai and Kia rebrand their cars. Uh, and a lot of them are, are, you know, the same version with a different badge.
3: I think that you can get it with the 201 horsepower engine, which is
2: cool. That's good. That is all I have to say about the Forte. All right, well, let's go <laughs> I'm sorry. I really well, apologize well, well, to our listeners. No, I just don't, I don't know much about the Forte. I, I don't think you need to apologize. I think this is exactly the reason why only 47% said they would buy it again, right? Like, you go to your buddy, and you're like, hey, dude, you won't believe what I just picked up. And he's like, what? Did you get, you know, a, uh, I don't know, a Raptor? He goes, no, 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 no Raptor. I got a Kia Forte, dude. And he's like, oh, okay, it's good. It's
3: cheap. I'll give it that. It starts at nineteen grand, which yeah. appears to be less than its competition. So that's good yeah, that's that's all, It's all, it was a 2021 top safety pick apparently now I'm just reading the website, but uh, 100 more, year 100,000 mile warranty. What more do you warranty. want?
2: You want some spice in your uh, well, I sandwich? Think, huh? If I recall, couldn't you? You, you, want, you want some spicy barbecue sauce could, sprinkled you into get your the, full pork sandwich. Couldn't
3: you get the GT in a in a manual? I think that was a
2: good thing about but it. I don't think they're talking to people who are bu- Consumer Reports is not talking to people who are buying Kiev. Q- look, look, look. Uh, I mean, if you're gonna go down, if it were my money, right, and I was gonna get like an affordable hatchback. I would go... It's and, not a hatchback. No, no sedan.
3: <laughs> See, you don't know anything about I, the fourth thing. No, no, no. no. We're over no, here no, just no, like... Hold on, hold
2: on. Hatchback, figuring sedan. Figuring this out let, as we let, <laughs> let me finish my sentence, would you? <laughs> I, I would go with the N line with the Hyundais, right? So you can get the N in three vehicles now. Pick I, any of those three. Pick the Kona, which is the hatchback. Pick the... Uh, well, that's a crossover. <laughs> pick the Veloster, which is the hatchback. Or pick the Elantra N which is the sedan and you're going to be happy with any of those three and you're going to want to buy it again cuz they are the spicy meatball All right. in the spaghetti let's just let's just why take, are you making fun of me? Let's just take the L on this, Dad. There's, well, hey, there's guys, not much we know hey, about if the listen, Kia. If, if you're listening to this and you're not watching this, Tommy has two computer computers in front of him right now, and, of, and he's <laughs> furiously Googling Kia and, and making, making me look like an idiot because all I have right here is my phone, and I'm trying to be too considerate to actually go and look these things up on my phone. I'm
3: trying to give the folks of the audience uh-huh. something interesting uh-huh. to say uh, about a yeah, yeah, very so you're, you're, dull you're car. You're
2: furiously Googling on two computers, and then you're making fun of me because, you know, I, I messed up two sister cars that are basically the same thing from the, you know, manufacturer with different brands on them.
3: Um, I just think that we need to accept that we need to take the L on the Forte. I think that was a very bad segment we did there. I do
2: apologize. Well, I, think it bad. That. I, think, I think it was bad. I think it was We don't know
3: anything about the forte.
2: Well, we know that it's number 10. on. This is what the system is. <laughs> we, we, you want me to personally pick up my phone and call 10,000 people and find out how they like their fortes? No, but I. we should know more about the forte. This, this is what we do. We report, you know, on organizations that do this kind of work. We, we can't be doing it all. You know, we're doing eye gauntlet testing. Oh, it was just updated for 2022. Wow, we really should know. Well, that's not the one that people uh, uh, aren't satisfied with. On Car
3: Driver, it's got a refreshed look. I'm just saying. With that,
2: new front bumpers? It's that, but that's not the one that Consumer Reports is It's the same. On. car.
3: I mean, it's a, it's a, just a light update, though. All right, well, I go to number nine, would you? All right. That was a disaster. No, it wasn't. You, I'm, you, I'm you, taking you. the L on that one. I, I admit that we, at least I do not know much about the Forte. You,
2: you, you can't expect us to be doing what Consumer Reports does. This is, this, they do an exceptional job. I listen to their podcast every week. But people come I love, here. I love the team there. And, you know, as a <laughs> journalist, I'm, I'm like, you know, hopefully I am a, a jack of all trades right? My job is to know just enough to report the facts and get them right. It is not to actually do the satisfaction surveys. I'm not saying we do that, but we should have
3: known more about the Forte. Right, yeah. and I've never driven a Forte. Um, so the next car on our list, which I think we'll know a little bit more about, is the Cadillac XT4. I was at the launch of the Cadillac XT4. Yeah, so it replaced, I think, the...
2: Um, I, I, I did a video on it.
3: Oh, apparently, I don't know much about the XT4. <laughs> I,
2: I, I drove it. Why and, are all
3: these boring cars on the least satisfying well, list? I wonder why, huh? I wonder why. Oh, this is the smaller version of the XT5. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So you know what basically Cadillac did is a honey, has shrunk the kids. The XT5, uh, and I like the design language of it. You know, um, it's kind of the, it's got it's kind of got that um, I call it the Lexus NX problem, right? Where like the RX uh, was super popular. Because it's actually Lexus' most popular car. So let's take it down a couple segments and make it smaller. But by doing that, you lose the magic of it, which is a vehicle that kind of fits all lifestyles, right? Now you're taking a car that, and I'm talking about the XT5 or the XT4 or the RX or the NX, doesn't matter, it's the same thing. You're taking a car that, that you can use to bring the kids to school or go on vacation with or drive to work and then take your colleagues out to lunch and turning it into like uh, a first car in the premium segment for newlyweds, where it's them and their little baby Chihuahua. And that's the problem. They're just both too small. Wow. Yeah. I know a lot about that car. So,
3: but the deal... <laughs> first of all, you did do a much nicer job with the XT4. You really got that down. But I just don't think you can say the reason it doesn't sell is it's small. I mean, it's like... It's Rav Four size, and Rav Four is the best-selling car in America.
2: What does CUV stand for? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna put you. Crossover utility. Right, and when you take the U, the utility out of it, what you got? You got a CV, right? So all of a sudden, just because you give it all-wheel drive, doesn't make it a utility vehicle. It just makes it a little bit more. You know, sellable in places like Colorado, but when you take the utility out of it, and for some reason, both this Cadillac and, you know, the other segment competitors, and you can talk about the Mercedes as well, right, the GLA, the only one that actually bucks that trend is the GLB.
3: So your argument is that it's unsatisfying because it's too small. It doesn't fit. It doesn't. That fit. is a Big Mac American argument right no, there. No, if I've ever no, heard my, my argument is it like, doesn't
2: sell because like it's done be too small. These cars are the Swiss Army knife of vehicles, and they suit a lot of different people in a lot of you know, like like Here your is, mom, like your mom is a perfect example of that, right? She she drives my my wife, your mom, right? She drives an X five. It's a massive vehicle, and she drives it by herself. But if you were to ask her you know, would you want an X1, an X2, an X3? She'd be like, absolutely not. She needs the room no, of the X5. She, she likes the status of the X5. She I likes, she, the likes the the back.
3: she likes it, throwing what, her bike in the what back. What is the best-selling vehicle in America? The best-selling vehicle, Ford F-150. <laughs> and what is the best-selling car or SUV?
2: Um, so the is the uh, RAV4 right now. That's the best-selling. And did you know the RAV4 is the exact same length as the X-T4. Yeah, I just don't think it's packaged the same way. <laughs> I don't. I, I, you know, I, I felt when, when I was in that car, I just felt like it was too small when I was doing that review. I remember driving it around thinking to myself. I mean, it's not an F- F-150, but it's a good size. Eh, I don't know. And it's also the other problem with it is like, it's like what you, like, like you're, hey, hey, guess what? Once again, here's a conversation with your buddy, right? Yeah. Right? Um, I just bought a new car. What'd you buy, Stan. Oh, I bought an XT4, and uh, couldn't afford an XT5, right? That—that's the other thing you're saying. Like, you, you like, like, there's a better version of that car that that you quite couldn't afford, so you went with a smaller version. It has
3: more passenger volume than the Rav4.
2: I'm just <laughs> it, saying the people are cross-shopping a Rav4. I know, with an but X-T4. I'm just
3: saying if people are buying the Rav4 and are satisfied, it's not a, the Rav4 is not a premium car. Mm. I don't know, Dad. I, I'm not sure. What's, I agree the what's with the best-selling
2: the Subaru? Forester. Right and what what makes or oh, I'll one of those two what makes it so room it's all about room right Well, the
3: XT4 is a Forrester size
2: it's not, but it's not the same <laughs> it's so the much. same size it's about utility those are very utilitarian <laughs> vehicle this thing is a luxurious vehicle that happens to have you know not as much room as its bigger brother anyway enough of the all car right. like. it's it's a fine car You know, go check out my reviews. I
3: just this is like the Forester does have a lot of interior volume, by the way. Mm. This is like one of the things that I think that we need to get over. This is just my personal vendetta. Okay, what's what's is this Tommy's rant now? This is Tommy's rant. Everything's got to be bigger. We got to have more room. We're going to have nineteen kids and twenty-four dogs back here. But reality, it's just. 90% Ninety percent of the time it's one person driving to work by themselves. You know the, the why sm- do you need so much room?
2: The smartest thing I, I heard, and I think this is absolutely true. Uh, and I forget what podcast I heard it on. So whoever said it, I wish I could give you credit, but I'm gonna steal it as my own. Uh, they said that people buy a car based on five percent of the things they're gonna do with it. And I agree. that's a hundred percent true. not the ninety five things that they're actually gonna do with it, five percent that they think they're gonna do with it. So people buy a truck, like a Raptor based on, you know, running uh, the Baja 500, right, versus actually ever going off-road with it. I think that, uh,
3: I also heard this on a podcast, I think this sums up perfectly. Europeans buy the smallest car they can live with. Yes. Which is why families are in like little hatchbacks, yeah. right? Because they, they look at their lives and they say, we can make this work with the Gulf. Yeah. Americans buy the biggest car they can afford. And I think that's a great way of looking at it. Depending on your budget, a lot of Americans buy based on size. And I just like, I hate how cars get bigger and bigger and bigger. And then of course we end up with crazy and crazier new technologies to try to get fuel economy down. You wanna get fuel economy down, just make a smaller car, right? It's gonna be lighter weight. It's gonna be more aerodynamic. And for the 99% of the time that you're just cruising around by yourself, it's better. I'm, that is my Tommy rant.
2: Yeah, you know, you know, the solution to that? What? Just Buy a lot of different cars.
3: Just buy a mini. <laughs> How about that? We just all buy vintage minis,
2: and then rent rent a U-Haul van no, for our trips that we take. N- not that we can buy any cars right now, and we know that. So I'm just being kind of, I'm being kind of uh, snarky there.
3: So um, eight and seven, uh-huh. two vehicles that are both scored the same. So forty-seven percent would buy the Cadillac again. Forty-six percent would buy these two vehicles. And they are actually from the same parent company, and they are on the same platform. And that
2: is number eight, the Jeep Renegade, and number seven, the Jeep Compass. I'm surprised by the Renegade because I, I kind of like that car. I'm not surprised by the Compass, uh, but I am surprised by the Renegade. Uh, and they just uh, they just refreshed the Compass. I was at Chicago when they rolled out. You know, they made it look more like the like the Grand Cher- Cherokee or the Cherokee versus like the down market Compass. So, <sighs> Renegade, huh? What are we going to say about the Renegade? The Renegade um, was America's darling until uh, the Bronco Sport came along and kind of out-renegated and out-off-road yeah, that's the, a good the point Renegade. You. you know what I mean? It's yep. just, it just more space, better off-road, <laughs> uh, more— It's uh, bigger, though than it, the Renegade. Yeah, it's bigger. It's yeah. more
3: like the compass size. Yeah. Isn't it? Isn't it? I think that it's compass size. Yeah, I'm going with that. Yeah. Bronco Sport so is so rene-
2: Renegade is also, like, I'm not going to say this, car because I know it's on our list. Renegade but, was Echo Sport. Right, which yeah. is also on our list. Anyway, there you go. We just gave that one away. Yeah, that was way down there, though. Well, that one is certainly, that one anybody could have guessed at. But anyway, uh, uh, I don't know. You know, uh, there was a time when I actually, like, was thinking about buying uh, a long-term <laughs> Renegade for review. Uh, but there's just nothing that compelling about it, right? It was built on the same chassis as a Fiat 500X. Uh, uh, so I think it was like uh, like a, a, a Jeepified version of a European Fiat, and I think that's the biggest problem, right? They went cute and cuddly with it uh, as opposed to rugged and uh, off-roady. That would be my, my reason. I think if they had made it more like a Jimny, uh, unless like a Fiat 500X, they would have been much better. So I, I think it was a Fiat that got turned into a Jeep.
3: That's an interesting analysis there. I think that you you hit a lot of the things that I would probably discuss, but I think there are some good things about it. It was fairly good value. Uh, it's got a pretty compelling little engine. That 1.4 turbo is pretty fun. The, the multi-air? You could get it for a while there with the manual transmission. The best thing was... about
2: that engine is the name. <laughs>
3: You could get it for a while there with the manual transmission, which was a really nice little feature. Mm. Uh, Tow hooks had the Trailhawk trim, which was uh,
2: very kind of rugged and. and you, you know what I always like? bug me about, or bugs me about that vehicle? The yeah. fake low range.
3: Yeah, but the Compass has that too, yeah. and I think it's becoming more and more common. You right. See so. That pretty often. So it
2: says low range. There's a little button and. Uh, what uh, it does is really just lock the vehicle in first gear. So a true low range takes the engine's power and set, channels it through a different set of gears so it increases the torque it increases the power uh, and makes it uh, much more off-road worthy. All this does is lock it in first gear. So, I, you know, it's like having a fake hood scoop. I'm kind of like you know, like, if you're going to go there, just go there and don't pretend to go there. I don't think anyone on the Consumer Reports
3: Data probably cares much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, think, and probably, I think the consumer Reports members are, I mean, are not the ones that would use the low range. I mean, I so can, I, I, I think that's probably that's probably less important. But certainly things like um, quality could could come into play. Features, value.
2: Yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, so you're sitting in like uh, at that time when it was being developed, the FCA board room, right? And they're like, hey, uh, we'll put a button there that locks into first gear, but we'll call it low range. Uh, and then somebody says, but it's not real low range. And somebody else says, you think that the buyers in this segment are going to care? I've been watching that show. I Me and you have been watching it. American Auto. Is it American Auto? The show about the American car industry? I don't remember what it's called. Uh, it's pretty fun. It's Payne, it's the name of the company. And for some reason, they've decided that they, they can't obviously design their own cars. So they've been taking FCA products like the 300. Ah. Uh, Once you Google it, then you can tell them what it's called. I think it's American Auto. Uh, and they've been they've been like 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 just rebranding them as Payne P A Y E cars, uh, and it's hilarious. I just love watching the cars that they have. And they did a one called a Pika in the last episode, which was this. And they're trying to build a car for ten thousand dollars. Tommy,
3: American Auto, yep, that's yeah, what it's called. Yeah. It's like um, uh, I don't know how you do it. like kind of it's like, like a, it's
2: like it's like the Office except around the auto industry. Yep, it's pretty goofy. You know, I think it's kind of cool. I think it gets a lot of things right. And by the way, if, if any of you are on the show or writers on the show, all of our friends uh, always get a big kick out of it when you, like in the last episode uh, with Apica, the they mentioned Car and Driver. They did a Car and Driver review. Oh. And, so, and so whenever they do something, like that, I think they did Autoblog like two episodes ago. So whenever you guys use like Autoblog or Car and Driver, all the, all the journalists at those organizations just get a big smile on their face. So thank you for thinking of us.
3: And looking at the, um, this is interesting, If you the Rotten Tomatoes, yeah. um, the critics loved it, absolutely loved it, and the audience absolutely hated it.
2: Really? Yeah. That's a bad combination. That's a bad combo. What's, what's, the, what's, what's the tomato meter? 32. For the critics? For the audience. What you, what's, what's the critics? 100. Wow.
3: The critics loved it. So moving on down the list from the Jeep Renegade and the Jeep Compass. Um, well, what about the Compass? We haven't talked about that. I mean, it's kind of a worse Renegade. Whoa. Well, I hate to say it, but it is. It's the same platform. Are it's like straight No, it's it's the same platform, but it's longer and heavier and and less dynamic. (sighs) Yeah, you know. I mean, what makes the Renegade kind of interesting is it's small and kind of lightweight and nimble, and then the Compass takes all that and just just squishes
2: it. So you have a friend. We won't mention her name. because uh, well, I don't want to mention her name. You, 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 I don't want to call her out or anything. But you, you are welcome to mention her name. And she owns one of the cars on this list. She just bought it, uh, and I think I think she also owned. Didn't you own a Compass before? Well, she had the she
3: had the worst Compass ever made, though. It was like a 2009, which was <laughs> which was basically a
2: Dodge Caliber. So what what Jeep did was right. They took the magic, or what they still do. They take the magic of the Wrangler. Uh, and the magic of the name and all that it conjures up, right? When you think of Jeep, you think of, first of all, the World War II Jeep, right? American GI storming Nazis and, you know, kicking ass and, you know, knocking down doors and just uh, winning the war. So you take that brand heritage and then you amplify it with the outdoor adventure lifestyle, right? Where you see like mud or snow or dust flying as, as you know, Wranglers and Grand Cherokees are flying across Moab. And they took that magic sauce and they sprinkled it on a bunch of different cars that, let's be, let's be real, really don't have that magic in them. And I think I think the Compass and perhaps the Renegade are two of those vehicles, even though I do have to say uh, we did a video maybe a couple of years ago where um, FCA, Stellantis now, has a proving ground in Chelsea, Michigan, and we got to go on the off-road course, and we did take a Renegade through some pretty interesting deep mud, and it was kind of fun. And and I, we've done a lot of my rides where people have lifted them and people have put on uh, bigger, uh, more off-road-worthy tires and slapped on max tracks on the roof and, you know, snorkeled them so you can make them pretty you know pretty off-road worthy but to this day except for the Japanese which is weird but true there's really no small true off-roader that I can think of with a low range is there such a thing as a like a Jimny we don't get I mean in America is there like a compact or subcompact true off-roader what was the Japanese you were thinking of? Any of them, a like Pajero, the little, little K car Pajero. Oh. Any of those. Those look like, the like Ni- they had snorkels and low ranges and all that cool stuff. The Subarus, right? The Mitsubishis, all those. Is there a small true off roader that we would consider like Moab worthy in the best sense where you could go anywhere like a Wrangler or a Bronco? Maybe the closest you get is really the Bronco Sport.
3: So if you, well, <laughs> I mean, if you want to like compare old Japanese vehicles to old American vehicles, if you go back to like the 40s and 50s there were a lot of them. Like the the CJ2A was a little tiny
2: thing. I mean the FJ range. was tiny, the original one was Yeah, also small.
3: very small. Yeah. Uh, and the CJ5 was really small too. So yeah, we've done them. But no, the, no the I mean, original
2: Scout was really tiny. If too. you wanted to buy a compact or subcompact off-roader that you could mod and do things that you can do with like a Wrangler or a Bronco. none of the, That doesn't exist, does it?
3: Even the Japanese have walked away from them, though, in a big way. I mean, and even... Apparently, like, the, I mean, the Jimny is a good example. That's a great one. But apart from that, How about nothing. the Duster?
2: Did, is, does that have a low range? Nope. Hmm. Nope. But, like, even trucks, right? Like, now there's two subcompact trucks, the Maverick and, of course, um, the Santa Cruz, and neither of them have a low range. And I, I keep going back to low range. People who are, like, not into off-roading must think I'm crazy. You know, I, I'd be thinking, this is it a low range... That critical? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's the one thing that I think separates an off-roader from an on-roader. I think, though, it's important to realize that
3: we're in a very specific world here. We're in a very off-road-oriented mindset where we have big rocks and big mountains. Mm, So the low range is the standard. But for a lot of people, they they don't really care about hitting the trails. They just want all-wheel drive for the snow, and they just want to maybe hit some dirt roads. And you don't need a low range for that. You really don't. And the issue with the low range is you have to have a transfer case, right? And transfer cases are extremely heavy. So if you look at like a vehicle that had a low range and then didn't, like the Volkswagen Touareg, it lost like 400 pounds when it went from a
2: two-speed transfer case to a single speed. So I, I'm going to be more a pragmatic journalist here. And I'm going to say that once upon a time, even Subaru, remember that old DL? They had, they had low ranges. And the reason they went away from them was not because of weight. It was just because of cost. It's a lot cheaper to throw a bunch of software at it, right, where you use the triple secret X mode or you know, pick your pick your multi terrain select system where you basically use the brakes to stop the wheel that normally would spin in loose sand or snow or dirt and then send power to the one that has traction and that is a solution that'll get you unstuck, you know, half the time, but if you really want to seriously go to Moab and go off-roading or if you really want to, like, do, you know, bug out, right, and go into the great American Wild West, there will come a point where you're going to want a low range.
3: Yeah, but that's assuming that people want to go into the American West. I, <laughs> I once again, I, I think, think a lot I, of people, I, people, they don't but, care, Dad. They people, just want to, like, no, drive people, along in the snow. People buy cars for 5% of the time that,
2: that they're actually going to use them. Yeah, and but so,
3: which is why the Subaru marketing is so brilliant. Because people buy Subarus and they, they, they see it going through the snow and on dirt roads, and then that's what they... Buy it for, and then they never maybe hit the dirt roads, but they ha- at least have the clearance to go through the snow.
2: So, so once upon a time, I owned, uh, I told a story last two podcasts ago. Right, I owned a samurai. Yeah, uh, and you know, I actually did uh, get to use the low range in that thing, and I never went out west. <laughs> when did well, in that same trip when I went to Washington D.C. the year that I was there, for some reason, like D.C. got like pummeled with a lot of snow. Yep, uh, and I would go out and I would try to like pull cars with this little tiny car that weighed, like, what? The Samurai weighed, what, 2,500 pounds, whatever it was. Less right? than that, 1,800, right? 1800 or something. 18, which is not like, a, a, you know, you're not going to, like, pull a Cutlass out with, which is what I was doing at the time with a little Samurai. But with the low range, you could amplify the power. So I had a strap. I would strap it to the back of the Subaru, uh, to the Suzuki, to the uh, sidekick. Not the sidekick, the uh, Samurai. We actually also had a sidekick. Remember the sidekick? So I think you weren't around. Before this, psychic. This, I know the psychic. The issue with this argument,
3: Dad, is oh. first of all, no vehicles now have places to tow from anyways. I mean, a Forester doesn't have a place to tow from anyways. Is that is, is that a is that a, is that a Toyota Tundra uh, reference? And if you were, if you are pulling up Ba-boom. caprices from ditches, it's probably. Cutlasses. Yeah, 1987. I just think that the time has moved on. And there's a select few people that need the low range, like the, the Rangers of the world, the Broncos of the world. But, but my point is... But it doesn't with, need to be like the standard. With a Samurai,
2: I could pull out a much bigger, much heavier car with a low range right? that I couldn't do with regular because it amplifies the power that that little tiny 1.3 liter? What yeah. yeah 1. If you want to tow a Cutlass...
3: This is your consumer advice for the day. Don't. Then don't use your your Forester. But uh, you'd be surprised with what you can do without it. I think, like, I've realized in the last few weeks that we probably harp on vehicles too much for the capability that a lot of people don't need. And there are still out there. Like, there's one crossover in the small segment that does have a low range if you want the true off-roader. The Jeep Cherokee with the Trailhawk is a real low range. So it's still around. You can still buy one. But for the most folks, I think a Santa Cruz or Tucson will be just fine.
2: All right, well, let's go to number, f- are we at number five yet?
3: Uh, six is the Infinity QX50. 46% of people would buy it again.
2: Whew, QX50, a rebranded, uh, what is a QX50? What do they rebrand? What's the Nissan that they rebranded? Help me here. I, um, I don't know. <laughs> well, it's a Rogue, right, basically? Is it a Rogue? Is the 60 the, the Pathfinder? 60 months Once
3: again, this is new another vehicle. We don't. <laughs> we should know more about than We you do. Know, uh, uh,
2: here's the thing about Infinity. Right, Infinity has gone through a lot of different brand and name changes. Once upon a time, right, there was the M. Now it's the Q. Now it's the QX. It, 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 the the, the, the nomenclature is all over the map, uh, and I think I think Infinity has just a really uh, bad issue right now with branding I think most people have a, would have a hard time telling you what an infinity stands for right uh, and um, once upon a time when I remember you know when infinity first came out along with Acura and along with Lexus the brand was kind of the BMW of of um, of, of of the Japanese world. You know what I'm saying? They, yep. they, they focus, like, the FX35. Remember the FX35? Yeah, it's cool. The FX50, remember that car? The shark-toothed FX50? That was, like, a bigger version of the 35, I believe.
3: Wasn't it the same car with different right, engines? Right,
2: yeah, bigger engine, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, I was like, that was, like, you know, that was cool. And you understood what it was, and it was, like, you know, an X5M. Uh, now, with the QX50, I, I, I honestly, I uh, I'll admit this. I, I, I think it's a rogue. I think I figured it out. Okay, I don't. I don't really even know where it, like fits in with the infinity. Um, and I'll be honest about this: their their SUV crossover lineup.
3: Well, let's. I, I know
2: the Happy Hippo, right? That's. Um, this is
3: why I wanted to do some more research before the podcast. I my dad came walking into my office and said, "We're gonna go do
2: a podcast," and I said, "Oh no." We need to be prepared. I'm so sorry. Um, sorry. I guess I guess I'm deflecting uh, blame here by by kind of saying infinity. You, so
3: okay, I got it. So the the 50 is the little one. Starts at 39. Right. So that's like I think the Audi Q5 competitor. Okay. And then it goes QX55, which is the coupe version of the 50. Right. And then it goes QX60, which is brand new. That is the uh, Pathfinder. And then it goes
2: QX80, which is the Armada. Hey, I like I kind of like the Stan test. Maybe we can make that into a video. You know, when you walk up to your friend Stan. And you say, hey, Stan, I just bought a new car. And you say, I bought an Infiniti, what is it? QX50. What would Stan say?
3: Well, I don't have a friend named Stan. Well, if you had a friend. Well, okay. <laughs> if I had a
2: friend. Let's call Sarah. What would Sarah say? Um, she would she'd be very excited. She'd be like, what the hell's that?
3: No, she would be like, wow, what a cool car. And then she would comment about the nice touchscreen and the comfy leather.
2: That's what she would say. You, so she's a big car gal, Sarah.
3: Well, she just likes. I'm just
2: saying Stan would be like, what is that?
3: I think like, there, that's a, the stand test is a good thing for like, brand awareness. Yeah. But I think there's a lot of people that don't know the brand, but they get in the car and they can still appreciate the quality. And Infinity does bring a lot of quality to the table. They've got a lot of luxury, a lot of, kind of nice, decently nice tech, um, good leathers, and they're pretty good value. For example, the QX50 starts at $39,000. So I think that there's more than, than just the brand awareness that goes into a good car. Okay. I'm,
2: I'm not QX50. Gonna, I'm not gonna. Is there anything else you want to say about it?
3: No, I'm. I'm, I'm frantically
2: looking on the website, seeing <laughs> if there's anything else that's that's notable. Look, I, I think if there's one thing we know about uh, that we've learned from from you guys out there and about car buyers is that that cars that have a personality uh, right now are in high demand. So anything that that is. Uh, you know, either super fast or super off-roady or super expensive. Basically, non-wallflower cars are just really sought after. People want the car to express who they are. And I think that the one thing about this list that, that, uh, besides the fact that a lot of them are crossovers that is true, is that they're just kind of cars that provide basic transportation. Some may be um, affordable, some may be expensive, some may be Reliable so maybe not so but none of them actually like like make any kind of a a statement when they you know Drive down the road outside of the fact that you know, you bought a car to drive to work
3: So next up on the list before we get to the next up on the list actually I do want to take a brief pause and do a quick bit of automotive history So on this day, which is on the recording January 13th, 2022 Ford debuted its soybean car Really? Yeah, very cool stuff. This comes from well, automotivehistory.org. What,
2: what is a soybean car?
3: Oh, there you go. Uh, well, Ford built a car made out of recycled, uh, no, sorry, agricultural plastic. Oh. So they built a car entirely out of soybean, wheat, corn, and um, hemp. And it was pretty cool. This was back in 1942, so it was, um, you know, war era here in the U.S., it was said to be 30% lighter than steel and it ran on hemp fuel, which is pretty cool. You're probably thinking, why did Ford build a soybean prototype? Well, three reasons, as um, quoted by the Henry Ford Museum. Uh, First, old man Ford was big into agriculture, and he wanted a clever way to integrate agriculture and the automotive industry. Um, He thought it was a safer material than steel. And, this is an interesting one, the metal shortage during World War II, of course, prompted manufacturers to get creative with- Could you eat the car? I don't think it was
2: edible. No, I don't think it was edible. C- could, like, a cow eat the car? I don't think a cow could okay. eat it either. Well, that's that's a shame because after it, they would have a second life then, wouldn't it? And they only built one prototype, and they were working on a second one <laughs> before... Did the cow eat it?
3: <laughs> No. <laughs> Billy, if you look at, like, what happened in the mid-40s, Ford was basically um, contracted to, to help with the war effort. Uh-huh. So the soybean car kind of fell, fell into... The wayside, and then eventually it was crushed. And rumors are that it it actually wasn't made out of soy. Apparently, like, they may have cheated a little bit with what it was made out of. But the soybean car was a cool idea. Kind of looks like a 1940s, um, I don't know, clock. But it was built, and now you know. They built a soybean car. All right, can I do my rant now?
2: Another one? We haven't done a rant yet. It's been all rants. This show (laughs) has been entirely made out of rants. No, this is my rant. Uh, So me and you have been watching uh, Perry Dakar, right? Okay, yep. Uh, and and the one thing I'm I'm always amazed at, um, and, and don't maybe maybe you know maybe I don't, maybe they're not doing full coverage, but I'm always amazed at like how many flat tires the cars get. It doesn't seem like motorcycles because they don't have spare tires. So either they don't the motorcycles don't get them because they don't carry them, or if they do get them, uh, they have some other way of fixing them, right? Sure. But but it seems like the cars are always losing time to flat tires. Mm-hmm. So uh, my rant is at this point, you know, I, like I was at the Geneva Auto Show like 10 years ago where they introduced a non-rubber tire. Isn't there something better out there off-road, especially when like, like seconds, let alone minutes count, that would prevent these vehicles from getting a flat tire? Isn't there any kind of technology that's better than rubber, right? The, the, the tire tech has not basically changed since Firestone and Ford hung out uh, around the campfires, you know, in Michigan. Why don't we have something better than than rubber tires that, that end up you know getting flats and and God, on those trucks? Imagine changing one of those tires. Well, I think radial tires
3: was a pretty pretty good invention compared okay. to bias ply. Right. Well, what, what would you make?
2: What would you use instead of rubber? So well, they have. You've seen. I mean, I keep. So I've seen now wheels and tires that roll not just you know forward but sideways. So the, have you seen that? Have you sure. seen those? But those are they're like, round, They're like round balls that you can like roll. I mean, here's the thing, right? And, you, and, and you, I've seen like wheels that, that use like the space buggy uses them, right? Instead of rubber, they have components that that are elastic, but then can't be flat flattened, right? So, for example, there's the twill, the tweel Yeah, has, the twill.
3: The issue, Dad, I think, is that a lot of the vehicle's suspension um, comes in the form of the tire compression. The air in the tire. Yeah, I mean, cool. air is a is a pretty good substance that's suspending a vehicle. So I think that's a pretty big, big deal when you're out. I remember
2: when- Could got, you
3: imagine, like, could you imagine, what is your favorite thing, right, when you're off-road? You like to air down, right? right? So you get bigger contact. No, I patch. hate to air down, but anyway. Well, yeah, but for your back, you need to air down because it, it makes it a lot more comfortable right. to get a bigger contact patch. And then you spend two hours airing back up, but anyway. So imagine not, not only not being to air down, but running at 100 PSI. That's
2: what it would be like to ride on a, on a perfectly rubber wheel. It'd be terrible. It'd well, just be... Well, when, like when we sent the buggy to the moon. That didn't have tires. Look, look you use one of those two computers to Google the moon buggy. I'm it sure it had some kind of tire. It did not have tires. Uh, let's see what they were made of. Were, First of all, you don't have a lot of weight, though. You don't have a lot of weight because you're less gravity. You're in... Um, I don't think those were tires. Uh,
3: Bridgestone just, tires.
2: Uh, what did the moon buggy have? Who
3: made the lunar rover Goodyear?
2: Were they tires? Were they rubber tires or were they something else?
3: The... The Goodyear, it was like a mesh tire. Right, it was, right. Like, it was a, like a
2: mesh thing, right? That's what I remember. But you're also in much lower gravity, and the moon buggy was a little light thing. But I, I just, I just think that there's got to be a, a better, newer technology. Like, like to me, the the best thing that's happened in tire tech is we tested it last year. Uh, is the new Cross Climate brand of tires that uh, Bridgestone's doing? There, a lot of manufacturers are doing them. Basically, all weather tires. So if you haven't heard of this yet, the problem with snow tires is that they basically come to life at 44 degrees uh, above 44 they start to burn off they the, the compound just disintegrates in hot temperature so you have to swap them out and let's face it Tommy you know when your mom wants us to swap out the the tires on the x5 for snow tires do you know how much you love that
3: yeah it, I mean
2: it, it takes 35 minutes don't you dread it no, you it's you not a long go. process I know you, who, got, you got to drag them out of the basement. So They're the, filthy. Then you got to throw them in the car. Then you got to take them to Discount Tire, and then you got to come back to Discount Tire, take the old ones, <laughs> filthy, drag them down in the basement. It's not a 35-minute process. It's it's a whole day thing. And with these new all-weather tires, what you end up with is a tire that has like 90 percent of the snow capability, but you can just leave on all year round. But I don't think it's a very good tire. No, well, the problem we had when a Tesla with it was <laughs> it made the ride very harsh.
3: Like, there's no such thing as a perfect tire. You just cannot get around physics, right? So, yes, you could run it in the summer. Yes, you could run it in the winter. Um, but the issue is it was pretty good in the winter. It was okay in the summer. But the net result of
2: that was that it rode like a, like a wheelbarrow. Yeah, so, but once upon a time, like when I had my old trainer's zx right, it had a little switch that would uh, change the suspension from sport to normal, to it's uh, comfy to comfort right sure and, and in comfort it was wallowy in sport it was like dry your teeth out and then normally it was usable and basically that switch was useless because you didn't want to touch it right but now with our adaptive electronic suspension you can get a car or a truck uh that that does all that <coughs> sorry at the push of a button right but so why can't we improve the tire in the same way? Why You want, have,
3: like, an adaptive tire if, where you if can, can, like, have push, push a button
2: and yeah. it's soft and push a yeah. button? If we can have a suspension that does it all, why can't we have a tire that does it all? You're saying you have to have dedicated snows, you have to have dedicated mud terrains, you have to have dedicated... Summer or performance tires. I'm saying, why can't we build a tire that does it all?
3: Because there's only so many things you can change. You can change the compound, you can change the tread block, you
2: can change the material. I don't know. And the next Mr. Musk out there and figure out the better tire. Last time I checked, unless
3: something's gone terribly wrong, your suspension is not propelling you down the road. So it's kind of a different kind of worms.
2: No, but I'm saying it, it, they, they were able to make a suspension that does it all, where you could have it firm for the track, you can have it soft for off-road, you can have it comfortable for the road. Uh, but the tire, you you uh, until these all-weather tires came along, you really couldn't have a tire. And it's super confusing. It's also environmentally horrendous because, you know, the tires end up being, right, you're only using the compound, and then 90% of the tire, once you're done with it, is still there. And what do you do with it? You have to go recycle it. Yeah, recycle And, it. and I don't believe they're being recycled. I think they're probably being, you know, they say they recycle them into, like, a uh, compound to put into cement so that the road is more... Robbery, but I bet you a lot of those are just getting burned or, you know, thrown so, in landfills. So
3: you want a better tire? Is that what you're... I want
2: something where you don't throw 90% of it away. Okay. I think that's a fair rate. <laughs> that's
3: okay. All right. what's
2: what, what are we at now? What number?
3: Um, number five is the Nissan Rogue Sport. 42% would buy it again. This is... This was kind of a weird one. It was a, like a smaller version of the Nissan Rogue. Abroad, it was called the Kashkai or the Kashki, And they brought it to the U.S. Wasn't oh, that the Kicks? Nope. The sport was a cash guy Yep.
2: All right, so the kicks goes below it.
3: The kicks is smaller. Oh, yeah. The um kind of buying point that the uh Rogue Sport brought to the table was that it was pretty cheap and it had all-wheel drive. It went on the program. And that that's there's not much more beyond that that would cause me to want to buy a Rogue Sport unfortunately.
2: Yeah, well, it's, it's You
3: a, are right that that and this is why – this is a very unsatisfying list. If I was listening to this, I would be unsatisfied with this podcast. Why? Because the cars are just unsatisfying cars. There's a reason they're on the list, right? I, I just think that they're pretty dull. Yeah, I think a lot of people own these cars. I think they well, do. Well, maybe but the people who own these cars don't listen to this podcast. Well, yeah, there's not a lot of Rogue Sport listeners probably out there. It's Like, it's a fine car. It's pretty cheap. It's um, got all-wheel drive available. But it's CVT. It's slow. It doesn't handle very well. The tech is kind of eh. I
2: mean, let's take a popular brand like, right, the uh, the RAV4 or the Rogue, right, which is very popular, and let's just shrink it and make it cheaper and de- decontent it uh, and call it the sport uh, to give it, you know, pizzazz. The most, the most sporty thing about the sport is the name. I have a friend who just bought one of these. And? And?
3: Um, she surprisingly loves it. She's really happy with it, really? but she doesn't care about cars. She just wants to drive it and have it last forever, and it probably will. That's one thing about. it. So what percentage of people
2: would buy it again? Uh, forty-two. So maybe she's one of the fifty-eight that uh, wouldn't buy it again, or would buy it again. Forty-two um, percent would buy it again. So she's she's 50. one of those. She's one of those forty-two percent that would buy it again. That's how you said it's done.
3: Yes, you're right. 42%. She's one of the 42%. 42%, yeah. Yeah, I don't think she'd buy it again. She just (laughs) just wants a car to... to, I mean, if a car came along that was cheaper with all-wheel drive, that was also the same size. She'd she'd buy that instead. So she cared about, like, Colorado
2: weather and all-wheel drive
3: and what was on the used car lot Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, in this market. Yeah. So next up, and this is the car that kind of does baffle me, because I think this car is interesting, but it just kind of gets outshined by its German competition, the Infiniti Q50. So this is the sporty sedan. Finally, we got an interesting car on the list. Woohoo! <laughs>
2: I, I want to launch to the Q50, so I know the Q50. 40%
3: of people would buy it again. So fewer people would buy this again than the uh, Nissan. <laughs> Nissan. Well, what do you think of the Q50? I like the Q50. Yeah. I think the tech is a mess. It's got those dual screens, which is just terrible. But especially the red sport model is
2: huge fun. I drove it off-road. The, the problem with the Q50 is the Genesis. right? Genesis is kind of yeah, that's Ge- Genesis true. is kind of uh, going where Infinity went and they're doing it with more style, more pizzazz and probably more value. Uh, and so sure. and so now Infinity not only is having to, you know, outsell and you know, he- take take um, a beating from Lexus and Audi and Mercedes, but they're also kind of having to fight off Genesis, which is up and coming, and it's kind of going after, trying to eat their lunch, right? It's it, a great point, yeah. yeah.
3: But very fun engine, twin turbo V6. I drove it off-road. That didn't, that didn't surprise you.
2: Yeah, and I love the fact that at least there's some, like, you know, as Nathan would say, it's got some lead in the pencil.
3: Aren't you going to ask why I drove a sports sedan
2: off-road? Why did you drive a sports sedan off-road?
3: <laughs> because I went on this program, and they had a rally cross area cool. for the Q50 and then the coupe version the Q60. And they let us tear it up on gravel, which was pretty cool. That's kind of an unusual thing that you don't see very often. But I think it's a gorgeous-looking car. Not many people appreciate how good-looking it is. Um, I, I know that, like, it, it does get its, its clocks cleaned in a lot of ways by value from, from the Koreans. But it's a fun car to drive. The tech is a mess. And I don't know about the reliability. I mean, reliability could—I'd like to know why people thought these cars were unsatisfying. I'd like to know more about the data. And Go
2: to Consumer Reports. Yes. Or become a member because I think you have to pay to get a lot of their content okay. unless you buy the magazine.
3: All right. All right. But, um, yeah,
2: I, that's, it's a shame that, that it's on this list because it's <laughs> one of the few fun cars on the list. They like to say on their podcast that they are a nonprofit for members, so. Yeah, they, they do good work. So they do interesting work. Uh, are we at the top three yet? Yeah, number three and number two are some truly dreary cars. All right, let's 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 get to the top three. Go for it, Tommy. What's number three? Num- Surprise me. Number three is the
3: Chevrolet Trax, so back to the crossover world. Just 37% of folks would buy it again. The Trax is a weird one because... I, I've never driven the Trax, Tommy. Oh, I have driven you the have.
2: I, You have. I think you did a, 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 a slip test on it, didn't you? I did not, but I have driven one. I have never driven the Trax. It's,
3: so. it's uh, basically a little itty-bitty crossover. You probably wouldn't like it because it's very small.
2: Chevy tracks. Yeah. I like small cars. You know that. <laughs> I, I love small cars. That is yeah, that is arguable. I have a Mini SE that I drive as a daily driver. That's about as small as it gets in America. You you drive it, but not as a daily driver. And you won't put I d- I d- If I didn't ha- Look, okay. I drive it as a daily driver. <laughs> you drive driver. the Grand Cherokee more than the Mini. No, I drive... Because it's snowing and it's got four-wheel drive, but... When we got oh, it, I drove it. Everywhere. Always something. No, no, no. I mean, my job is to drive a whole bunch of different cars, right? That's my job. So, but I would be perfectly happy to drive the uh, Mini SE, the all-electric Mini, as a daily driver. Uh, and if I owned it like a regular person, where it becomes a daily driver, where I don't have a fleet of cars that I have to review as part of my job, or I can drive because we've got all these classics, I would throw some snow tires on it, which it's missing, and I would drive it all year round. Hmm. I'm a little suspicious. Mm-hmm.
3: I remember we went on a uh, on a two hour drive in my classic Mini, and you said you couldn't do that. Again.
2: <laughs> oh, come on, your classic Mini—that's that, a world mm. apart from the SE. Uh huh. Oh my gosh. I think we have a fake small first, car fan over first, here. First folks. of all, the classic Mini is half the size. Keep in mind, I am six two and well size. over two hundred pounds.
3: Yeah, it's the perfect size. It's, it <laughs> does exactly what you need it to do.
2: You barely fit in that thing. It's a great little. I machine. have to I have to pretzel myself just to get into it hmm uh-huh. Lots of excuses and then, here. And then it's... What is it? Is What, what, what side do you drive it on? The right. Yeah, exactly. So whenever we go through a drive-up, I'm the one who has to do all the hard, <laughs> heavy lifting. <laughs> you don't ride in it very often because
3: you say it's too small. Yes, it is too small. It's not too small. It's 10 feet long. It's How tall su- are you? It's super fun. The rule of thumb is if the car is longer than you are tall, it's the perfect size, but just a little bit.
2: What car is that? Every car is longer than you are taller. But unless it's a clown car.
3: If the car is more than twice as long as you are tall... It's too big. Okay. All right. Minis it, ten feet long.
2: These are these are millennial rules I've never heard. <laughs> these of. These are
3: my new rules. Yeah, I'm making them up on the yeah. spot. But the Chevy Trax. Yeah, what about it? It's just a, a kind of a cheaply made, very compact crossover, which was not very interesting to drive. It did have all-wheel drive.
2: Is it is it a, is it like is it a Daewoo that you know? It may
3: have been a Korean vehicle yeah, is it like actually. that it's like a Korean that vehicle
2: because Chevy I think bought. Two yeah, it wheels. is.
3: Yep, South yeah. South Korea. That's yeah, a great great point see, there. There you go. But not um, incredible value for what it is. And then it was made completely irrelevant by its new uh, competitor, the Chevrolet Trailblazer. So the Chevrolet launched the Trailblazer, also a Korean vehicle, but it had a lot of personality and charm. and It had these cool little three-cylinder turbo engines. And
2: Not, not to be confused by the Blazer. No, not the Blazer. The
3: Trailblazer, the little one.
2: That, I like the Trailblazer.
3: And it the looked the cool, and it was kind of aggressive and sporty and off-roady, and the, the tracks is just kind of a lump. So I, I can understand why that's on the list. And same class, um, same thing can be said about the next vehicle on our list, also an import from another country, but made by a uh, a domestic, the
2: Ford Sport. I think there could be an argument made that that is one of the worst cars in America. It is
3: a very bad car. <laughs> it, not it,
2: much to, good to say about the Sport. Yeah, uh, it feels cheaply made. I'm not saying it is, I'm just saying from a driver's point of view, it feels cheaply made. Um, it Dis- is gutless. Just discontinued, right? And it's it. in its base form. Uh, the infotainment—I dare not even call it that. The screen looks like a Casio watch from 1984. Um, the um, surprisingly expensive when you load it up surprising it's like started at like 20 but you can go up to like 27 when you get the one with the actual screen on it i will give you this
3: i think the echo sports is um i like the the small
2: i like the fact but that it's very bad <laughs> use of space the best thing about the echo Ec- well the name is horrible is it echo or Echo sport come yes. on ford figure it out uh and then the best thing about it is a spare tire no they got rid of that there you go. They got rid of the best thing, so now there's nothing. <laughs> <laughs>
3: so they had this cool uh, rear swing gate mounted spare tire, but that
2: is no longer around. That is no longer around. Uh, you know, it, it kind of feels like um, like like a car that uh, Payne would make. I'm talking about Payne. You know, yeah, Payne Automotive, the, the the fictitious car company. Uh, so maybe maybe they should have taken that and rebranded it as a Pika for all you. For all you American Auto fans, you right. know what I'm talking about. I may
3: have to come clean on something. You may have been right this entire podcast. What? Because the top three cars, yeah. the top three least satisfying cars, yeah. are all tiny crossovers. Hmm. So maybe you got something about the size. Maybe I was wrong this whole time. <laughs> um, because the number one car on the list coming right, in. Guess. I don't know what it is. At just 29%. Wow.
2: Whoa. 29 From oh. a
3: brand that should be doing better.
2: I don't know. What is it? I have no clue.
3: Um, the Toyota CHR.
2: Really? Oh, yes. Not, but it's funny because that competes directly with the Honda HRV. And the Echo Sport and the Chevy Tracks. Except the HRV has one thing that all those don't have, and that is space. HRV is very roomy, actually, <laughs> inside.
3: CHR. Isn't um, very I was roomy. talking to my buddy Alex Stikes, Alex Donatos. He was saying that as Toyotas go, the the reliability is kind
2: of hit and miss on the CHR. You know what the biggest problem with that is? I mean, there's a lot of problems. So I was at the launch of that car, actually, at the Geneva Auto Show when they first unveiled it. So what they did was they took a car that was meant for Europe, where, as you say, people get the biggest car that they feel they can live with. And in Europe, that just, is probably... the smallest car they can the, live with. Okay, smallest. In America, biggest. So in Europe, that is probably like, you know, like, like the... Chevy Escalade. I mean, the Cadillac Escalade of, <laughs> of the European. So they unveiled it there, and then they brought it over here. But in Europe, it came as a hybrid. And a diesel. Diesel and all-wheel drive. Yeah. None then, of which made it here. So, that's So, true. so it, it, it came as this little uh, funky. Okay. I, I mean, it was The design is good, but it was one of those, like, design <laughs> over functionality. Okay. So the sight lines were horrible. The back seat, like, unless, <laughs> unless you are... Um, Is the
3: design good though? Let, let's let's go back to that first I like, point you I, made. They
2: did like a floating white roof. That's
3: always good. So we like it because of the roof. But apart from the roof,
2: yeah, I like. I like. <laughs> I thought it was. I thought it was like very. You know, once again, it's like, it's like one of those cars, like the. Like the renegade where they took a european model that absolutely does not fit into the american automobile scene and try to squeeze it in uh, and nice thing about toyota is they realized it incredibly quickly and came out with its replacement right the corolla cross which actually is oh, all yeah. wheel drive is big and is more like an hrv Great in point. terms of size and so now th- that will sell but I-, I like the look of the car but unless you didn't have legs, you could not sit in the back seat. The sight lines are horrendous. I mean, mm. just absolutely horrendous. Very bad. It's, it's underpowered. Yeah. Um, so it's pokey, um, and you know, it's 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 kind of like if if it were like the FJ, if the FJ wasn't badass and cool. Yeah, that was a good good analysis. I think you're pretty spot on there. You're I, being very kind to me today. Do
3: you want something from me? Is there? Are you asking for time off? No, me? I'm what's, just what's, I, what's going I on know here? people in the comments say bicker with you, so I'm trying to be more positive. All right. All right. Um, I just and you want time off. <laughs> no, I would like some more time to prepare for the podcast, though, so I can brush up on my Kia Forte knowledge. Right. But I am pretty well versed on the uh, CHR because I've driven it a bunch of times. And it's v- it's a very kind of dull car to drive. It does have a very small four-cylinder naturally aspirated engine. It looks like it should be kind of quick and zippy, and it just isn't. You killed it on the all-wheel drive analysis. If you're buying a small crossover, I think a lot of folks live in snow country. This just does not meet their needs. There's one way you could save it. What? Make it a convertible. Yeah, no, that's a horrible (laughs) idea. Although you could make it cool if you gave it a turbo and an all-wheel drive system and a manual. That'd be very cool. And one thing we should say, which is good about it. And put the letters WRX on the back. (laughs) It does have um, a good standard suite of safety gear. Right, Toyota yeah. Safety Suite. So you it's know. got it's got the important safety gear in it, um, the uh, adaptive cruise control.
2: It's, you know, it's like a less funky Juke.
3: Yeah, but worse because the Juke had a turbo. This yeah,
2: Juke had a turbo and it was all-wheel drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah but I it's, think it's in that good. same kind of like, and it had some cool motorcycle design, you know, styling points. I just think that it's a little weird looking.
3: I mean, I know they kind of updated it recently, but it's just not. It doesn't work.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, like you said, turn it into a rally car and follow. The, you know, I think Juke probably did sell more, uh, but yeah, I, I think when people, got, I think the thing that probably did kill that is it's just so cramped inside, so dark, sight lines are miserable, uh, and so it's just a kind of car that that is very uh, uh, unusable. Right? There's no utility value in in that in that vehicle.
3: World car though, they sell it from everywhere from. Um, North America to the UK to China. It's, I mean, it's sold all over the world. Um, made in Japan, China, uh, Turkey, Thailand. So it's all over the world being yeah, produced. Yeah,
2: like I say, when I was there, when they unveiled it in Europe, at Geneva, right, uh, I thought it was, you know, pretty cool, but then none of the cool stuff. The hybrid, and I think the hybrid gets really grand fuel economy. It was an all-wheel drive version of it. None of that came over here. So without no, that.
3: Another car, by the way, that, that the Corolla Cross is, is kind of, I think it might be its replacement, like you said. Very yeah. practical. It's also a world car, but it just makes more sense for, I think, our market. It's going to do better. I, I strongly believe that.
2: It's a better name, too, right? At least it's like it's got heritage. Yep. Yeah, it's a good, not, it's a good not name. Not three letters it's, put together in a random fashion. It's kind of boxy and square, so it should hold a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it should be good. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you, Consumer Reports, and thank you guys for watching. Uh, I did they do, and I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot here. I know I hate to do this. I wonder if they did the opposite of this list. Uh, the top 10 most satisfying cars. Yeah, I would if uh, can you take a, can you Google that see if consumer reports did that because that could be our next podcast So that would be really interesting cars. We could see if if our theory that That the cars the problem is it's gonna be behind like a paywall, right? You, you probably won't be able to get to it Unless you're a member oh, of consumer Reports. to, Report. to become a member. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's probably worth it But so does uh, it exist? Does that top, list exist?
3: Top 10 most satisfying cars updated January 4th.
2: Oh yes it's up there. Do you see the cars? No. No. It's behind a paywall. That's hey, a Consumer Reports, send us a membership. We'll be glad. Oh, to. I'll pay the few bucks. They do good
3: work. But mm-hmm. then can we tell these people without having them pay a few bucks?
2: Yeah, I think Consumer Reports would appreciate getting this information out <laughs> there. I mean, we're promoting Consumer Reports in this list, right? We're helping them grab more memberships, like if that is their goal, which I assume it is because that means they can do more testing and buy more cars. You know, they buy a lot of cars.
3: Right They do they, buy they a lot have, of you know
2: the thing that happened on YouTube is a lot of YouTubers started buying cars, and we're kind of live on YouTube. So we started buying not a lot, but some cars, but Consumer Reports has always been buying their own cars. Uh, and just the logistics of buying and selling cars, that's a full-time job for somebody on staff. Oh, yeah, it's a big job. right. And they do it. You know what they do? Uh, and I hope hope they don't mind me saying this, but they do it anonymously. Wow, really? Yeah. So they they like they like they're I guess they're reporters. I I, I don't know what they call their correspondents. Uh, they take turns, I think, or they they assign that somebody to do it, and they go into dealerships and like like anonymously buy the car. Hmm. So that 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 the manufacturer or the dealer doesn't know it's going to go to Consumer Reports. I think that's you know if you want if you want unbiased. Uh, Testing having uh, an organization buy a car anonymously is, is about as good as it gets. That's going to be like the gold standard. I did
3: find the list, and it is a very interesting list. Actually, they are they are interesting cars. You
2: you want to do it next time? Maybe we will. All right, All right. Or do you want you want to just let these people know now? What what would what would you be your preference?
3: Uh, we can do it next time. Yeah, I think I think just enough to talk about here. All right, give me one of them. Just number ten. I, I don't have them in order, oh. but I do have. I'll give you one of them. This okay. is kind of. I'll give in the me one of me. I'm just curious. Just give the me a little hint.
2: MX5 Miata. Yeah. Eighty nine percent. When did we good. buy that car again? Apparently. I, uh, here, can I, I'm going to wreck this, but I bet you, I bet you, I could nail nine. I, I bet you, I could at least nail five of those. All right. Yeah, I've got a list of some of them. So. Okay. Uh, Chevy Corvette. Uh, yes, it's on there. Okay. Uh, let me think. Let me let me do. Let me put my thinking caps on. Miata, Chevy Corvette. I'm gonna do uh, BRZ uh, eighty six. Um, not on the 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 list. I'm I'm looking at no, no. Nope. All, right, all right, well I'm one. I, I'm, I get three strikes, so that's one strike. Okay, strike one. Uh-huh. So I'm one for one right now. All right, uh, WRX. Nope. God, two for two. F one fifty. No. All right, well we have to do it next time. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I, I guess I wasn't as smart as I thought I was. You've owned
3: two of the cars on the list.
2: Oh god, now you tell me. All right, well you know we'll, we'll 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 give you the list definitely next time whether the whole show based around it I'm not sure but we'll definitely give you the list so thank you guys for joining us I uh, hope uh, that we're we're trying to bicker less like Tommy said uh, because uh, some of the some of the reviews say we bicker too much. And by the way, if you like the show, please, we're really putting a lot of time, effort into it. Well, not today because we were... Because we, you, you jumped me while I was about to do I, some we'll important tell him, we'll editing. Tell, I, we'll tell him why I jumped you because it, what, there was a reason for it. It wasn't just because I was like, hey, let's go do the podcast. Why did I tell you that we have to do it today as opposed to when we usually do it on, That's on Monday?
3: I don't know. I was doing my, my, my in-depth research on the Acura RDX, which I was going to review. Because, because... And you came swooping in.
2: Because next week's a big week for us. Oh, don't
3: tell them. I want
2: it to be a surprise. There's a vehicle that we've been trying. A very special vehicle. There's a very special vehicle that we've been trying to get that we've been, you know, that that we finally managed to get our hands on. We're going to do a whole week of testing. We're going to do drag racing. We're going to do a classic test that we do with it. We're going to do all kinds of really cool stuff, probably even go to Moab with it. It's that significant. So I wanted to concentrate our efforts on that vehicle next week instead of, uh, also, you know, kind of splitting our time between that and the podcast. So that's why I stormed into your office and I said, Hey, let's, <laughs> let's do this podcast. All right. That's right. good. All I right. appreciate, I appreciate the explanation. And like I said, guys, Check out uh, tfl if you want to get all of our... I, I keep reading the comments, and everybody's always like, I didn't know you did that review, or I didn't... And, and, and I know we have seven YouTube channels, and people think that that's too many, and I probably agree, but there's... We can talk... It's a whole other topic. We could talk about why we did that from a business standpoint, uh, because let's face it, like, car and truck guys are different. Car and truck gals are different, so that's why we wanted to separate the content. But nevertheless if you want to keep up with all of it tfl-studios.com uh it's not uh there's no monetization there it's just we thought it'd be a nice place uh for you to, to stay up on all the stuff that we do so that when inevitably do it redo a review like tommy did a really great review so he did this review that we published uh recently where he went and tried to compare whether a four-wheel drive car like a Jeep grand cherokee uh, is as good in the snow as a two-wheel drive car with traction aid. So you, we took a Honda Civic um, and what we did, what you did, Tommy and Alex, was you, you got the snow socks, you got the snow change, you got another device and you compared stopping distances and acceleration in relatively deep snow to uh, an all-wheel drive car. And I'm reading comments on that video and everybody's like, well why don't you try snow tires and I keep thinking to myself, you know, we did that review last year. We did the snow tire review. Uh, and so, you know, how do you, you can't reply to every comment. You know, we did, we already done this. So that's why we have this one channel where you can go and you can actually see where everything is at. All right. Well, guys, we will catch you on the next video. And thanks for watching. And thanks for listening. Uh, see you next time. Ciao. Bye.